This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. You're listening to Marketing Matters on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Hello, and welcome back. I'm Barbara Kahn. I'm a professor of marketing here at the Wharton School, and here with me is my co-host and fellow marketing professor, Americus Reed. It's exciting to be here. Do you buy a lot of things on uh, on your phone? Do you actually purchase like through yeah, the phone? I purchase stuff, yeah. Really? A yeah. lot or a little? Mm, a little. Yeah. I like stores. Yeah, I do too. I like stores too. And I'm <laughs> well, still we live in the city, so we get to shop. Yeah, very, very interesting. Very <laughs> yeah. cool. Awesome. So this is Marketing Matters on Sirius XM, business radio powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM 132. And we are delighted to have with us in the studio. In the studio, as it were, <laughs> ladies and germs. Very exciting. Laura Radosh but who's the founder? Barbara, Did congratulations. Right? <laughs> you are awesome. Yes, yeah, so she explained our name. Ooh. Nice. Very good. Well done. Well Radosh Butt. Radosh is her maiden name, and her married name is Butt. And she was just explaining to us why she keeps her my maiden name. Might mm-hmm. be obvious to you, though. <laughs> I love my husband very much. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I took his name, you know, because I wanted to show him that I love him. Our daughters are a little upset about that. Oh, they say, Mommy, why couldn't we have your last name? Wow. <laughs> so I held on to Radosh. That's, that's but right. also because we got married a little later, so I had already established myself as Radosh. and. I wanted yeah. to hold on to it. Very nice. And how many how many children do you have? We have two. Two. What two are their girls. ages? Eight and ten. Eight and ten. Wow. I have oh. a seven year old. Oh, so you know. Yeah. 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 Well, <laughs> Boy or a girl. It, it, yeah, a girl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We're we're like yeah. That's a whole different conversation. But they will never leave us. Yeah. You know? That's true. That's we'll true. Always She'll always access. be daddy's little girl. Yeah, that's so true. you know what's really good about Laura? She graduated from Penn. Yes, I did. No kidding. <laughs> nice to be here. Wow. Well, welcome back. It's much university. different. It looks much different than it when I went here. Oh my gosh. When did you go here? Um, I graduated in ninety five. Ninety five. Interesting. That's like when Amazon started. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, very, very Yes, cool. we didn't have email when I first started school, and oh, it was wow. just wow. coming around when I stopped. Interesting, yes. interesting, oh, wow. interesting. What did you study while you were here? Nothing related to marketing. Um, okay. History. And I you didn't take history. our... We were here, right? I was teaching. I was well, not here. I was oh, just starting my here? PhD in 95. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. my bad. <laughs> yeah. I was here. Yes, you were here. You Maybe were... you took my course. You didn't take any marketing. I did. That's actually how I got into marketing, oh. but I didn't take it until my senior year. I was your typical liberal arts student. Mm-hmm. didn't know what I wanted to do. My parents were very um, typical salespeople. They're mm-hmm. great at what they do, but they only knew business, law, and medicine. Gotcha. And that's what they were telling me about. I wasn't really finding my way in any of those fields. Mm-hmm. And then finally, my senior year, I took Marketing 101, Yay. literally. Yeah, <laughs> yes. That's awesome. And that's what turned me on to marketing and advertising. Literally, it was like mind blown when I learned And when that, you left, did you get a job in marketing? Right yes. Away? Mm-hmm. I moved out to San Francisco and I worked at Goldberg Moser O'Neill, which was started by the people who did the Apple 1984 campaign. Oh, oh nice so start. I was very lucky. Yeah. Yes. That's and a pretty iconic commercial. Yeah. yeah. I learned about advertising strategy from a woman named Katrina McAuliffe who started the discipline of planning in the United States. It came mm. over from England. Okay. So when I worked at advertising agencies, I, I was what was called a planner who's responsible for, for the media, strategy. Right? Or, no, oh, no, exactly. Planning? So oh. it, in, the, in those days, it was called account planning. And the role of the account planner was to actually do the research, write the strategy, brief the creatives 
on strategy and really get insights mm. to bring back to the creative team. Interesting. This was a new discipline after San Francisco. Mm. I lived in Philadelphia for a couple of years, but then I moved to New York and worked at Deutsch Advertising. Oh, he's in um, Wharton Group yes. too. Yes, oh, wow. exactly. Donnie Deutsch. Yep. He's, no yeah, he's kidding. A character. Yes. Donnie Deutsch from yep. Morning Joe? Yes. yes. Oh, wow. Yep. Oh, he's I had yes. no idea. Yeah. Okay, no, I really yeah, very like proud him. Morton grad. Yeah, awesome. yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. Um, and that was one of the agencies that also was one of the first agencies to have this discipline called planning, which was all about insights. Gotcha. Um, consumer target insight. Now, let me ask you this, because, you know, since it was new, this planning Mm -hmm. protocol, no one had really started doing it like strategically in terms of trying to take the research and translate the insights into how it could be used most effectively in terms of the creative. Was there a tension there? Yes. You know what I mean? Like it's like, here you are. Did I say that too fast? I know, right? It's like, was there, yes, there was. You know what I mean? Because I, oftentimes yes. the creative's like, we want to do X, Y, and Z. And, and you guys are like, well, yes. wait a minute, we have something you should build on. And like, mm-hmm. no, 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 we got a great idea. Yes. That kind of thing. But there's a problem. And that's the agencies that were the first to do it. They actually had growing pains in that mm-hmm. sense because they were setting up this new discipline. It was exactly to your point. It was the creative departments and the account people and the account people. I think people. that tension still exists today, even mm-hmm. with all so. this. Don't yeah. you think? I think so. I think it depends. That's what makes somebody a good planner is if they can have a good rapport with both the account team and the creative team. Gotcha. If you don't build that good rapport, then you're not going to be effective at your job. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have that respect. Interesting. So how long? How long did you work at Deutsch? I worked at Deutsch for three years, and I consider that I went to Penn undergrad, but I feel like I went to the Harvard of advertising by working at Deutsch because nice. at the time, Deutsch was just on a rise like yeah, crazy. Amazing. And I worked primarily with new business, um, and I had great mentors there who taught me about strategy and the importance mm. of not making mistakes and being specific, um, being insightful, thinking differently. So that was just a wonderful experience. And then from there, I went to McCann Erickson mm. and then JWT. JWT oh, so you worked Thompson. at like all the companies. Right, all, so. of the, all of the, the yeah. usual wow. suspects, as it were. I'm very fortunate. I had really good experience. Wow, that's fantastic. And then eventually you started your own. Yes. So, so. in 2006, I was moving back to Philadelphia. I met my husband. But, Mr. Butt. Mr. Butt from England. <laughs> wow. I'm okay. him. <laughs> I, sense, I sense an ongoing meme that's going to happen throughout exactly. the show now. <laughs> that's right. Um, well, what's funny is that an English guy brought me back to my hometown, which is Philadelphia. Oh, that is uh-huh. pretty funny. Yes, he was, he was living and working here. Well, what does he do? He works in pharma. So he's gotcha. in pharmaceutical. Mm-hmm. Well, this is Pill Hill. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Pill Hill. <laughs> and so when I moved back to Philly, I was, you know, spoiled in New York by the brands that I worked on and the strategies that I was able to affect. And I thought, what's the best way to keep doing that is to keep doing that. And so I went out on my own and started LBR Insight. And oh. LBR stands for? Learning by research. Oh. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, LVR, learning by research. I'm smiling because it actually was my initials. Okay. But then a client said, what does that stand for? <laughs> you made it up and on the spot. No, he did. <laughs> oh, he said, <laughs> is it learning by research? And I said, like, yes. That's it. That is it. There you have it. Wow. Oh, that's that pretty is. cool. So it's a market research firm. Yes, yes, exactly. So when I was on the agency side, I fell in love with... Uh, research and focus groups and Uh moderating. I did a ton of moderating on the agency side and that's what I wanted to do and focus on. So in order to do that, you kind of have to leave the agency world because Mm -hmm. it's separation of church and state. Mm -hmm. A client doesn't want the agency doing the research. They Mm -hmm. want an unbiased third party. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I started doing it. How did you get client zero? 
That's a great question. <laughs> of course it is. So client zero came from a woman that I worked with on the ag- agency side mm-hmm. who was at a different agency. And client zero was beech nut baby food. Oh. And I was brought on to that by a woman who we had a close working relationship. And then as world works, she then did, ended up working for me oh, interesting. <laughs> for many years. Okay. So that was client zero. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And so your uh, LBR offices are out of New York, I'm assuming. No, Philly. Phil- oh, no, that's wow. why she's back with Mr. Butt. Um, yeah, yeah I live with Mr. Butt. <laughs> <laughs> in <Philadelphia>. Wow. <laughs> that's fantastic. So where are your offices in Philly? We're right across from City Hall. Oh, okay. But you know what's funny? We have to say we're right across from La Colombe because if we You're say right. City Hall, we get blank stares. And then we say, you know where the La Colombe is? <laughs> are you kidding? And then, oh, oh, I know where that is. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. that, Philadelphia has a branding identity oh, yeah. issue. We have, to, we have some issues there. That's yeah, amazing. Wow. Very, very cool. I I think you got some work to do pro bono. We do. Yeah, yeah, right. That's right. We're, we're working on We've got Gritty now for the uh, NHL uh, Flyers. I don't oh. know if you guys have seen this. The mascot is oh, blowing yes. up. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so we're trying to work on our city. We have mm-hmm. a unique kind of you know, yes. city brand, right? Yes. Yeah, it's cool. So you were one of the pioneers of direct-to-consumer mm-hmm. um, healthcare advertising. Mm-hmm. So okay. wow. that So what that means is usually the healthcare goes to the doctors because the doctors are prescribing. And the idea of going directly to the end user was actually somewhat controversial at the time. Mm-hmm. Might even have been illegal. I mean, for a little while, the laws changed. Mm-hmm. The laws changed. Yeah, okay. in the late 90s, the doors were open. Claritin, I think, was one of the first brands to do direct-to-consumer advertising. Okay. And that's actually one of the reasons I wanted to work at Deutsch is that they had won the Zoloft account. And oh, I thought it was fascinating Zoloft. that Zoloft. we are now going to be marketing antidepressants like toilet paper. Yes. So I was really interested in it from the get-go. That is really an interesting mm-hmm. ethical issue mm-hmm. because whether or not consumers can deal with that information, yep. they yeah. march into their doctor's office demanding a drug. That yes. Means. So what's your position on all of that? I think it's great. Uh-huh. Honestly, I think that it has made a more educated consumer. And mm-hmm. I think that it's really scary when you go to the doctor's office especially today with how time crunch they are and how little time, how little eye contact they even have with you anymore, Mm -hmm. that consumers actually have the ability to be educated and Mm -hmm. to walk in knowing what they want to ask for and to be their own advocate. Interesting. So much of the research that we do is about that doctor patient conversation Mm -hmm. and patients just they get they get bulldozed by these doctors mm. so is that a lot of your since you're in uh, the pharma world to mm-hmm. hear a lot of your clients are on this direct to consumer kind of advertising well either direct to consumer or direct to physician so we do both i mean i, I work in both realms mm-hmm. both consumer and physician which is nice because then you understand both sides and you're able to help each yeah. side better by understanding both sides of the conversation so are you looking at i mean the world of biotech is changing mm-hmm. a lot with the world of data and all of that are you involved in and that kind of research and how people are, you know, Apple Watch and what they can do and that kind of stuff? I mean, I know about it. We're qualitative only. Oh, so we do, okay. yeah, so I do the touchy-feely stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, well, tell us a little bit what touchy-feely is and yeah. direct-to-consumer farmer marketing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can talk to people about just about anything. We've done a lot of uh, diarrhea and constipation. Oh, I see. Oh, That's wow. pretty yes. touchy-feely. Uh, yes. yeah. <laughs> oh, Barbara. Yes. Very nice. You really wow. know, you have to know how have to un- un- what the pain that. point is, you yeah. I mean, I think with yeah. pharma, everybody wants it to ladder up to control. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what that's uh, what the insight, you know, quote unquote insight is. That's but that's that's done. You know, you can't talk about control. You have to find something different, especially mm. in the world of pharma, where it's 
same product, same product. So what is your product going to differentiate itself on? And the message for the patient might be different from the message for the doctor. Your doctors are concerned about efficacy and how much yeah, it costs. Yeah, right, really big and, difference. You know, yeah. is it is right. it on the formulary? Am I going to have to deal with getting callbacks? Right. So you're talking about, qual- I heard you say letter up. People, I know what that means, but people may not. So you do you use like a Z-mats and the val- the laddering and things like that, that when you do the qualitative? So we have our own methodologies nice. that we use to yeah. get to the insights. Um, a lot of it is based in psychology. We have a, psychology, a psychologist on our team that helps us craft what we do. And one of the things that I use a lot is Legos. Mm. Oh, interesting. So we will have people build with Legos to talk about, to express something. Oh, that's very interesting. That's so, very like, cool. A, for those of you who don't know, this idea of laddering up is mm-hmm. why do you buy this? Mm-hmm. Why is that important? Why? Yeah. So you're laddering mm-hmm. up to the to mm-hmm. the terminal values. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's one of the terminal values is control. Yes. Um, another one's connection yes. sure. or things like Freedom. that. Freedom. Right. Freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're really looking for the basic terminal value here that's driving the purchase and that's that's kind of what your takeaway is to your clients yes that's right and we we like to look at it from a very human perspective you know so what is the human meaning of this right and one of the nice things i think is also you know to your point because laddering is a series of trying to probe and sometimes, you know, to uncover that stuff, you have to go to more of a projective yes. techniques, which you're talking yeah, about. Right. You play it right, out, right. and then you can kind of see. Sometimes they used to use cameras, but yeah. you're yes. doing it through. It's yeah. like a we do like exactly. Yeah. We yeah. use like exactly or um, imaging imagery. Yeah. You know, right. we'll show images. You know, what does this represent to you? We'll have them draw. We'll have them write yeah. pretend letters. Whatever it takes. So, can yeah. you give us an example of something you can share that was you know, that you've learned from this method? Because it's kind of interesting stuff. It's very cool. Um, I'm trying to think of what I can share. Yeah, yeah. Well, we were trying. I'm, it's hard to think of one you could share without sharing um, a client insight. But I'll, I can talk to you about one. We've done it with agencies, for example, within okay. corporations. So we can talk about that because that's a good, you know, neutral territory. Okay. So we've been. We would go into a company and they want to understand how is this division working with this division, and so we'll have them different people each build a model of what that looks like now. What is this relationship oh. like now? Mm-hmm. And then we have them talk about it. And then it's, well, what what do you think needs to change? And they're literally changing the models. Okay. And so we, cool. ha- we direct cool. them to talk to the model mm-hmm. and not to each other because then it really diffuses anything mm. that could be uncomfortable to talk about. Interesting. So that's an example of how Lego, wow. and you could imagine in research how that might be used. For example, mm-hmm. build a model which represents, um, you know, what you want to feel when you're on this medication or what you're not getting from this medication. I'll just, you know, be very... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Not specific. Sure, sure. But the projection piece is very interesting. Let me ask you this, though, because one of the things I think I notice about DTC advertising the pharma space for these mm-hmm. drugs is that it's it's almost like a sea of sameness. It's yes. almost like you can just, you could slot in you any... You are so good at kidding. I just, I, right? I mean, yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's yes. like, and so much so that you see like satirical mm-hmm. commercials that are made up to mm-hmm. kind of make fun of the fact that they're all kind of just running from the same sort of recipe mm-hmm. template book, you know, ask your doctor, you know, someone running in a right. field and then da da da. One of the things blah, blah, we blah. tell our clients is if you turned off the sound on your ad, could it look like an erectile dysfunction ad? Could it look like <laughs> yeah. a depression ad? Could right. it look like a constipation ad? And if the answer is yes, then you're not doing it right, right because you don't want that. I think your point is so spot on that it's so true, the sea of sameness in pharma today. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is when you talk to patients, they are conditioned to expect it. Uh-huh. And then they're almost disappointed if oh, they don't. 
don't see the arc that they're used to seeing, which is a problem. And then enter shiny brand solution, old people running on a beach. You know, that's kind of what they expect. Mm -hmm. And I think it takes very brave marketers to do something different, to go against what what their consumers are telling them they want. Because consumers, that's all they know. And in the pharma space, is it true that the the marketers are a bit more risk averse because of the implications, Mm -hmm. the legal implications of what they're doing, obviously? Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit harder to. That's really interesting. Mm -hmm. So you've also become an expert in diversity marketing or how? So can you. How did that happen? What was the impetus? So this is really, it's near and dear. Um, We work with McCann Erickson a lot, and McCann Erickson, one of their clients, is the U.S. Army. So we've been doing a lot of work with the U.S. Army. And as you can imagine, Mm. the U.S. Army needs to talk to a diverse group of Americans. Mm -hmm. And through that research, we've been tasked to speak to Caucasians, African-Americans, Hispanics, Mm. Asian Pacific Islanders, Mm -hmm. men, women, um, various, you know, Anything. I mean, you can. It's the army. It has to represent America. Mm-hmm. And so I have a saying: you another day, another business need. Mm-hmm. So this came in. We got smart on multicultural because we had to. So that was the the first time you were really looking at this issue. Yes. And now it's become an expert. Yes. Of yours. So now we've done it in pharma for pharma clients. We've done it for beauty clients, um, other healthcare clients. And the idea is to be authentic, to be natural, yes. to speak to this audience, but without being so overt. And yes. Mm. So do you have some principles? I mean, there's some things you can tell One us about. Of, so this it, be it, don't say it. You know, when I when I was working in the agency side, there was this great creative director who she just had the perfect analogy for everything. And she said, if you were a smart, interesting person, you wouldn't walk into a party mm-hmm. saying, hi, I'm smart. I'm interesting. You want to talk to me. I do do that, right. but I understand this. <laughs> right, right. That's just like being a self-proclaimed yeah, genius, right? I'm a, I'm a genius. Yeah. I'm very exactly. smart. Yes. You are you. smart. You are interesting. You know, right. And people will notice that about mm-hmm. you if you mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. So, you That's know. A, actually, it, it's really obvious when you say it, but you know. I it, People don't do it. You know, I can Mm -hmm. imagine super hard to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it it really is in the multicultural space, too, and the diversity space, I think, to be genuine and not look like you're trying too hard. And I think it's also under the microscope because even as far as we've come, people still aren't used to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's that's just a shame, you know, and that's why I think companies really need to talk to their consumers and find out what genuine means to them. Mm. But, you know, as you see TV shows and other cultural things change, mm-hmm. and it, it must be easier now to be natural and to think about it mm-hmm. because it's it's not like that wall, yes. wall of sameness that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Right. Starting sameness, or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> Come yeah. on. Okay, just see. It's a wall. Yeah, 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 <laughs> it ebbs yeah. and flows. Yeah. It ebbs and flows, yes. But, uh, see, well, I'm little... just trying to figure out where your mind was. You're like thinking wall, build a wall. I'm not, nowhere, no, I'm not sure where you're going with that. All those faces on a wall. Oh, That's what I was thinking. Oh, all those nice. white faces. That works, too. That yeah, was yeah. all the same. But so, like, it, is it partly just putting different types of people in the commercial, or is it way more than that? I, th- I think so. I think it's it's that, but doing that right. So, for example, we sp- we do beauty work, and so we speak to women, and if you speak to Latina women, we've heard from them. These are not my words. These mm-hmm. are them. Mm-hmm. That, oh, I don't want to see that, you know, voluptuous Latina Stereotype. with a feisty oh. attitude, <laughs> because... 
<laughs> and because that's right. not me. That's right. that's modern Sophia family. Vergara. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's that's the problem. You know, I think marketers sometimes go to gotcha. the extremes. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, um, I, or, I will say for the record, I don't mind saying that. <laughs> or we've spoken to African American women who will say, you know, I am not mm-hmm. your stereotypical. Mm-hmm. Like we, I remember speaking to this one African American woman who she was very skinny, and she was saying, "This is not stereo." You know, I'm not the stereotype mm-hmm. here, and she actually was had a lot of um, confidence issues because of it. Because oh, growing up, she felt like she wanted to wear a lot of makeup to focus the effort up here and not down there. Gotcha. Um, so I think that there's, you know, be. Be aware that diversity is diverse. You know, it's interesting. You see the controversy over Serena. She was like the yes. woman of the year. Of, yep. What was it? Uh, GQ or what? No, well, I forget what the magazine was that she was woman. Of. But they put woman in quotes. Yes. Uh, it's very controversial. Very, yeah, really yeah. controversial. Very controversial. I mean, yeah, they're getting she, some blowback for that. Yeah, a yeah. lot for yeah. that. But I think she's done a lot for diversity oh, and completely. for what the definition of an athlete is. Yes. What the definition of. Mm-hmm. So, speaking of that, do you use celebrities? I mean, so you were talking about the extreme celebrities but right. do you believe in celebrity marketing in this realm i do i do i think that people want as long as they're like them you know and who doesn't look up to a celebrity so um serena williams is a great example of a, a celebrity that it does lead the charge in that way i actually saw her speak at the pennsylvania women's conference mm-hmm. a few weeks ago nice. she was fabulous you know and she's talking about that the things that she supports are actually issues that she's passionate about so i think as long again as it's genuine it's genuine. Be it, don't just say it. Be it, don't just say it. What are some of the other principles? I would say um, that, well, one thing that I wanted to bring up is there's, I feel like especially with, I mean, I can say, I, I lob in gay representation within diversity, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. And so something that I'm really interested in learning more about is this difference between hyper-obvious and subtle. So I'm thinking of this recent migraine ad that I saw, um, and it's two women, and the woman's talking about, we opened our dream taco stand, and you know, and it, because I take my migraine medicine, I can do this. And at the end of the commercial, they like hug each other. Mm-hmm. So you're left thinking... Are they or mm. aren't they? Okay. Did they mean that or didn't they mean that? Uh-huh. And that's I want to understand what is the consumer because that's not these obviously aren't my clients. What is the consumer audience thinking about that? Are they directly trying to target a certain audience? Mm. Are they trying to represent themselves as a brand in a certain way mm. or what? So I think and maybe and I'm so are you arguing it. that the ambiguity is bad or good? Mm. I think it's bad. Oh, Honestly, interesting. Really? I, I, in a okay. way, I think you should you should stand behind what you're saying. Oh, okay. So, do it or don't do it. Mm. Although, speaking about back to one of our first guests, as soon as you do something like that, you can polarize, right? So, yes, yeah, you're, yes. you're making a choice. You're making a choice, but yeah. I think in today, you kind of you kind of should stand behind something and mm. have a voice. Look, is it bad? Yes and no. I think that. Again, I might be overthinking it because this is what I do. I'm a marketer. <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm saying it's it's an area that I would personally like to explore further. Mm-hmm. I could be totally wrong, and I would. But own I have it to say, our first guest was taught would agree with you 100. percent He said you do have to take oh, those really? kind. Of, yeah, he, I missed that. He, he was starting yeah. with cultural values, then issues, and mm-hmm. then you move all the way up to taking a side to in an issue. Side, but yeah. it has to be genuine, right. you yeah. know. But understanding, you might polarize some people, but then you mean right. something. But, well, but I, let me let me play devil's advocate though, because. In some senses, it's like the product is for migraine headaches, mm-hmm. right? And people who are who may have 
you know, non, non-liberal views about others mm-hmm. and, and, and their lifestyles, they get headaches, too. Yes. And they got money, too. So <laughs> Right. So, right? But so, I guess my point is, why do it at all, then? Make it clear, I is see. my point. Okay. You know, Either do gonna, it or don't. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. right, right, right. Exactly. Well, and I'll, I have an example. So I had have done research for a company that is known for being very conservative, um, and they get a lot of slack for it. And we actually heard from consumers that I don't agree with them, but I respect yes. the fact that they have a point of view. Yes. I've heard that about Chick-fil-A, which is an example. I'm, I'm not saying it's your, the one you're talking about, but it's an example of a company with very, very strong conservative values. Yes, Christian values. Yeah. Not open on Sunday. Right. But people's. Yep. Some it's people, but sometimes they go over the line and they say things that people don't agree with. Mm-hmm. But the idea that they're not open on Sunday, they do respect that. They do, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And I think there's research that's not, that speaks to this as well that actually yeah. shows that, like, if, if you claim to be a values based company, mm-hmm. that you have actually, some values, then have some values. <laughs> yeah. And when you take that stand, even the people that are against what you say will say, okay, well, they are making a stand, and so you get quote credit for that mm-hmm. in some senses. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So, do you think there's any place for stereotyping in um, advertising, or I mean, because that's not ambiguous. That would be. It depends what the product is. Mm. I think it really depends what the product is. Look, if you're if you're a makeup brand and you've got some product that you're sure is going to appeal to a certain stereotype, go for it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. get go get it your target. It seems like that would be the implication of what you're saying yeah. a little bit, that yeah. you're not afraid of that if it fits. Right. And maybe there are pos- some positive stereotypes, right? I mean, some yeah, sense right. of, you know, they're so not so all knows, stereotypes. They're not all negative necessarily. Yeah. yeah, so you have a few principles. You want to tell us what? Yeah, the, so, so there's, so, there's five, it, right? And, the, and this is yeah, from this is coming. <laughs> this is coming directly from the research and your years of experience, yes. like drawing these out of people, correct? And understanding what kind of what are the best practices of trying to implement your what mm-hmm. you're doing. So, and I think we covered the second one. You know, consumers want to be active participants in the conversation, um, for sure. You can talk to your audience, find out what what they're relating to, what they think of you. Don't showcase stereotypes. Unless Unless they're positive. Positive and purposeful. Influencers go a long way in the era of influencers. And do you mean social media? Yes, social media. They, even in those cases, we hear from consumers that they're still not seeing themselves in the influencers. So pick the right influencers. Let me just just jump in there because... You would think social media would be them. That seems like a mistake you wouldn't expect people to make. Right, right. But I I think it's also interesting to Barbara's point as well because uh, I've been thinking about the notion of influencers and uh, I was talking about this in a class recently and um, the idea that influencers almost has become a stereotype mm-hmm. like the idea in yes. fact <laughs> Urban Outfitters actually had an influencer ho- uh, Halloween costume <laughs> Okay. It, it literally it was funny. like literally just workout that's clothes and like a black hat with sunglasses and a wig. Oh, that's so <laughs> it's funny. like so you know what I mean. So it's like as people start doing it in a way that's inauthentic. How do you make sure that you're choosing the right person to represent your? Go brand? back to point two. Uh-huh. Talk to your consumers. Yeah. You know, find out what they what they would relate to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and what they would feel comfortable with or want to see. Because mm-hmm. there's a fine line, and it's interesting because we test a lot of creative work. You know, and there's always a fine line between. Aspirational mm-hmm. 
and I can see myself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. I read an article about these nano influencers. Have you seen yeah, those? Yeah, New York that, Times article. Yes, yeah, that yeah. where it was, yeah, where yeah. they have only a thousand followers. Yes. Or something. Like, I have more than that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an see, influencer. See, uh, you know? okay, I am a cellular oh. influencer. Yes. That's, I have one. My, my daughter, <laughs> seven years old, she's my audience, and 100% acquiescence of anything I suggest. So I see, I've I got see. really good engagement. But with I my... can imagine this idea of nano yeah. influencer. It's mm-hmm. to your point, yeah. because then you can really get someone who is what they're supposed mm-hmm. to be, and they and you can identify. Mm-hmm. With, their friends would identify with that. Yeah. Correct. Correct. And then I think consumers are inherently forgiving. If you are a company that has not to this date embraced diversity, mm-hmm. and it's something that you oh. want to do, have a conversation with your audience. Oh. Admit it. You know, we did. We haven't been doing this. I imagine that's hard for brands to do. As opposed to just doing it, though, then it looks inauthentic. Oh, interesting. You know, we've heard consumers say, oh, I see. They just put the token woman in the ad oh, mm-hmm. to right, check that right, box. Right, right. You know, it just feels yeah. very inauthentic. There has inauthentic. to be something under the wow. hood. Right? That so, would be, so would you advise Nike to address their women issue more head on than they have? I think it's always good for brands to be transparent, mm-hmm. no matter what. Because, like, they've kind of hit, you know, they're, I yeah, mean, they responded, the and that's now it's the back in the, in the press again, yeah, and they're kind of not, the yeah. Yeah. And they have a big woman issue, diversity issue there. So. Yeah, but I think to your point, like, it, you know, before you have this context of actually changing the mosaic, if you will, to have this multicultural kind of, you know, impression of your consumer, that it's smart to actually, here's my plan about, I'm also involved in the community doing Mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z, and and maybe you're creating these real, this is the point one, be it, don't say it Mm kind of idea. And that's sort of under the hood in case someone looks or, you know, I mean, you get real credit for the authenticity piece. Yes, exactly. Interesting. Yeah, I like it. Well, Laura Radoshbat. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show with thank us you. tonight. Yeah, it's great <laughs> Thanks to have you. Thanks for having me. It was, it was great, finally great to, awesome. to have you here in the studio with us. And if you're interested and you want to learn more about Laura, look her up at lbrinsight.com. And when we come back, Americus and I will be taking your calls. It's time for Stump the Professors, <laughs> as it were. So <laughs> we'll get see. your questions ready at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. That and your calls right after this on Marketing Matters. Business Radio, powered by Wharton, on Sirius XM 132. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 